The word of God lasts. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And I'm hoping I've asked the Lord. I've been in a battle, y'all. <laughs> I'm serious. This last week, I've been very sick, and um, my, I haven't been able to focus. And so there is a reason why I was in this battle, is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, I hope that I do God's word justice tonight. And even if I stood up here and did nothing but read straight from the Bible, that would be more powerful than anything I could say to you. So I want you to know that. Um, I want to read something to y'all that someone just gave me this book last week, and I just picked it up for the first time um, the other night. And I didn't even make it out of the introduction because it was so rich. And I wanted to, have y'all ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Yes, no, no. Charles Spurgeon was a very famous, even now, like you'll hear quotes and stuff, Charles Spurgeon. And um, anyhow, I want to read this to you. Because how Charles Spurgeon came to know the Lord, he was about your age, around your age, and when he heard the word of the Lord and what it spoke to him. Okay, so. Okay. Spurgeon came to faith in Christ at the age of 15 when a snowstorm forced him into shelter, to take shelter in a Methodist chapel where a service was in progress. There, his heart was open to salvation in Christ. The text that moved him was Isaiah 45:22 in the New King James Version. It says, look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. He preached his first sermon, so that's when he was 15. He preached his first sermon at the age of 16. Began his work in full-time, as a full-time pastor at the age of 17. Then started at the age of 19, he became the pastor, at the age of 19, y'all, the pastor of London's New York Park Street Chapel. By the age of 20, he was preaching to crowds up to 2,000. And that was all because the word of God gripped his heart and he let God take control of his life. That's what I'm hoping for all of you. That's what I'm praying for my daughters. That's what I'm praying for for my grandchildren who happen to be here tonight. I am praying that the word of God grabs your heart so tightly that you are just in awe of your creator because his word is powerful. God used a snowstorm to force Charles Spurgeon to a church for shelter. 
not just any church, but it just happened to be a church where God's word was being preached, where it was being read. God's word changes hearts. Like Charles Spurgeon, my heart was changed by the word of God. One thing that I wonder, how many of you, and do it by the raise of hand, how many of you have been in church your whole life? And if you have or haven't, that's, I'm, I'm not trying to like say, oh, this is better or not better. But what I, what I am afraid of is that y'all have gotten bored of God's word because you've grown up listening to it and it's just become just something that you do. Um, I did not, I was not raised going to church. I did not come to know the Lord until I was 26. And how I came to know the Lord was someone gave me a Bible. It was a student study Bible. I didn't know how to read a Bible. That Bible sat on my dresser. Um, I don't know for how long, but it sat there. But I tell y'all, that Bible started drawing me to it, like where all of a sudden I wanted to know what it said. And the lady who gave it to me had been praying for me. She had given me a sweet letter in the Bible but still, I didn't know, like, where to start in the Bible. You know, you start at the beginning of most books, right? But I didn't know, and I didn't know where all the different names that were in the Bible and the big numbers and the little numbers. I didn't know any of that. So, <clears throat> in the beginning of the Bible, there was a track reading plan. I was like, oh, there was three different ways you could read the Bible. So, I was like, well, I'll just choose track one. It was the life and teachings of Jesus. So I started with the first scripture that it told me to read, and as I went down the list, I would check it off. Check, 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 check. Y'all, I read about the birth of Jesus. I read about his life and his teachings, his healings. And when I got to the part where they were crucifying him, I sat in my room in my bed and just cried, cried and cried and cried because I knew without a shadow of a doubt that what he did, what he was going through was for me. And then I read about his resurrection. And y'all, you know, sometimes you hear a lot where people talk about Jesus dying on the cross for us. Yes, he did, but he also was raised for us. And that's the same thing for us. We do not, when you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you have given your heart to him, you live. As many of you know, my husband passed away four months ago. He is not dead. He is more alive now than he ever was here. Do I miss him? Yes. Horribly. Every day. And I know Kelly does too. But we know that he is alive. So, 
Without God's word, there is no change. There's no change of hearts. There's no change of minds. There's no change of lives. There's no change of of descendants. There's no change of our future. I want to read to y'all, and this is something that I had prepared for um, another engagement that I spoke at one time. And it was the definition of faith. That's one thing that I'm big on that I want y'all to get used to doing. It's okay to look up words. In fact, there's even words that I look up that I know what I think I know what the meaning is. But when you look up a definition of a word, it gives you such clear information. So I want y'all to do that in your time with the Lord um, while you're studying scriptures. If there's a word in there, look it up. So, the definition for faith, Webster's Dictionary says, an allegiance to duty or a person, belief or trust in and loyalty to God. Now, the Holman Bible Dictionary, which I was going to bring that tonight, that's something that I have at my house that I use all the time, and I love it. Um, The Holman Bible Dictionary, and I suggest, and y'all might be able, maybe it's online, I'm not sure, Um, but that's something that I recommend that you get to have along with your Bible. Um, It's got all kinds of definitions in there. It talks about baptisms, which is fascinating. Um, But anyhow, in the Holman, it talks about faith this way. It says, in the Old Testament, proves clear, um, provides clear definition of faith in the context of of the unfolding purpose of God to redeem. God makes faith possible by providing for human beings verbal information about himself and his plans. This information is connected to his redemptive action in the world. Did y'all hear that? Like the Old Testament talks about, and it's proof of God's redemptive plans, and it gives clear, it's a clear providing, um, makes faith possible by providing human beings verbal information about himself. His words interpret and explain his saving acts so that people may receive from him the blessings that acts makes available. Just as one may know another human, like when y'all say you have a relationship, like your BFF, um, your peeps, whatever you call them now, um, like to in order to have a friendship, you have to spend time with that person, right? It's the same thing with God. Um, just as one may know another human by the words and actions of that human. So God has chosen to become knowable through his words and actions. A consistent theme of salvation by faith can be traced through God's acts and deeds in the Old Testament. People were saved by faith in God's self-revelation during that period, just as they have been saved through faith in his self-revelation during the New Testament period and beyond. God has always required faith as the proper response to his self-revelation. 
And then this part I thought was very important for y'all to hear. The God of the Bible has consistently related to people via trust in what he says and does. Biblical faith is a complex idea. God, his word, his actions, the whole human being, physical world, all play critical roles. When saving faith occurs, God has enabled someone to know him through his revelation of himself in words and actions in Christ. God himself activates faith in the hearer of his words, enabling that hearer to become faithful in Christ just as he is faithful. So he is making it possible for you to be faithful just as he is faithful. Now, (laughs) Colossians 2, 6, and 7 is like a scripture that I always like to quote. And if y'all have your Bibles with you tonight, I want you to go ahead and pull them out because I want y'all to use them with me. If you use your um, electronic device, that's fine because that's what I'm going to use tonight. I brought my Bible so that y'all would... See, this is the Bible that I've had for a long time, um, and this is what I use at home, but I also, and I use it at church every Sunday. It's the New King James Version, so I won't read it to y'all, or won't be reading the scriptures to y'all from this. Um, But along with this, every morning when I spend time with the Lord, um, I have this, I have my tablet, or either my phone, whichever, but I've I have the Bible app on, on, my, on both devices. Do y'all have that on yours? Yes? Good. Um, because I like reading all the different versions. And I think it's important to see God's Word in the different versions because it helps you just to relate to it better and it helps you dig in deeper to it. Um, so let's turn to... Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. I'll give y'all a minute. And it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So I want y'all to to let your roots grow so deep into Jesus that when life storms come at you, if your parent gets sick or, or your sibling gets sick or another tragedy happens, I want your roots to be so deep into Jesus that you don't topple over and you don't turn against God. You run to him because that's what happens a lot of times. People think, God allowed this to happen. I'm not going to ever have anything to do with him again. No, (laughs) no, that's not what he wants. He wants you to run to him 
Because, y'all, this world, where we're at right now, we're all comfy here, but this is not our home. This is not where, where we're supposed to stay for all eternity. It's not. It's where we're here now to build relationships with each other and help each other through this time. And for those who aren't raised in church, to reach out to them and invite them to come to learn about your Jesus and why why you love him. I'm, I want y'all to fall so in love with Jesus. I want the passion within inside of you to hunger and thirst for his word. Um, when, when I surrendered my life to the Lord and I started coming here to Hebron, and so it's been over 20 years now, um, when I first started coming, I was in the college and career ministry. And um, someone in there, and I don't know if they were saying it to me or about me, and I don't know, and it doesn't really matter, but God wanted me to hear it. They said, oh, these new Christians, give them a little while, and they won't be so on fire for the Lord. And I remember hearing that, and you got to remember, I wasn't raised in church. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's not going to be me. So I started praying, and I still pray. I pray the same prayer. Father, create that hunger in me. Draw me to you just like you did over 20 years ago. Keep calling out to me. I want to hunger for your word. I want to be passionate about your word. I want to love your word. Lord, I love you, but I want to love you more. That's what I want for y'all. Like, I want y'all to say, oh my goodness, this right here is not boring. This right here is so full of life. And my friends could probably tell you, we could be having conversations about anything. And the minute we start talking about the Word of God, like we get excited. And, and it just, you know, we, we sharpen each other when we talk about the Word. And... Uh, I don't know, I don't know how to make that happen for y'all. You have to want it. You have to decide. You have to decide that that's what you are going to do. And then you have to start asking the Lord for it. So, in my outline, I have have-tos versus want-tos. We all want to be loved, don't we? Like, we all have that desire to be loved. And we want our friends to love us. We want other people to love us. But we want it without having to ask for it, don't we? Like, I don't want to have to say, oh, do you love me? I want you to love me. Do you love me? I don't want to have to ask people that. God taught me this little illustration that I'm about to share with y'all, and it's it's funny to me that they're both here because he taught it to me through my grandchildren. You know, um, when they were little, they went through a phase where, you know, you're like, oh, come see me. I'm so excited to see you. I want to hold you. I want to squeeze you. I want to kiss you. Just come and see Gammy. Come and see me. Come and see me. And they both went through a phase where they were like, nah, uh-uh, nope, not going to have nothing to do with you. Nope, you're not going to hold me. Nope. 
you're not going to kiss me. Nope, I don't want anything to do with you. Nope, nope, no. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And Jeff said one time, this was happening to Briggs, and um, Jeff was standing there, and, and Briggs was, you know, wanting to play with Pappy, and um, he wouldn't have nothing to do with me, and Jeff knew how bad it was breaking my heart. And he said, Briggs, you have to love your gammy. You have to. And I said, well, actually, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have to. I want him to. Oh, my goodness. Did I want him to love me? I wanted to be his most favorite person ever on the planet. Like, when he grows up and he starts playing ball, and he hears me screaming, at, you know, woo! And when London hears me scream when she's doing gymnastics, I don't, I don't want him to be embarrassed of me. I want him to go, yep. That's my gammy. She's awesome. She's the best person in the whole world. God showed me through that that that's exactly the way that he loves us. He's, he is standing there waiting on you to spend time with him. He's standing there going, come on. Oh, I want to hug you. I want to squeeze you. I want to tell you how beautiful you are. I want, oh, I've got some awesome things to tell you in my word. Oh, if you could just learn this, you would learn that you are unstoppable. He is, oh, he is wanting so bad for that. He's standing there just like this. And how many times are we like, eh, not today. Not today. Don't feel like it. Nope. You made me mad because such and such happened. And nope, I'm not, I'm not going to spend time with you today. I don't want to. His heart breaks every time. Same way that my heart broke when my grandkids didn't want to come and jump in my arms and be excited about me. He wants us to be excited about him. But y'all, that doesn't just happen. Like, we have to ask for it to happen. So, let's talk about God's love for us. Let's turn to John 3.16. John 3, 16, I'm going to read 16 and 17. And y'all all could probably, like most of these scriptures that I'm going to share with you, y'all could probably speak them and say them from memory way before I could read them. But I want y'all to hear them with fresh eyes. In fact, let's ask the Lord for that right now. Oh, Father, please, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Open our ears and open our hearts to what you want to show us in your word tonight. Lord, let it become bright and new and let us see you and love you the way that you deserve to be loved in Jesus' name. All right, so it says in verse 16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son 
so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Now, go with me to Ephesians 3, 14, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 20. How much time do y'all need, like, in between? Are y'all, like, right there at it? (laughs) Should I give you a second? All right, so starting in verse 14. When I think of all this, what's Paul talking about? Up above that, he, he was talking about how God sent Jesus and how he died for us and how um, we can now come boldly to the throne of God because of, of Jesus. So he says, when I think about all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow. There's that word again. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ through it, um, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. It says, when you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, it's too great for me to even try to explain to you how great it is. It says, when you experience his love, you will be made complete and the fullness of life and power that comes from God. All right, so that's his love for us. Any questions? (laughs) All right, next. Um, God says to love him. So let's turn to Matthew 22. And then we're going to read 34 through 38. I hope I can get through all this. Um, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 38. I don't know if I said that right the first time. Okay, so there was the Pharisee says, but when the Pharisee heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply. Let's see, I'm on the right spot. Oh, 
verse, I didn't mean 34, I meant 36. Um, the, the Pharisee asked Jesus, he said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourselves. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based off of these two commandments. So God tells us to love him. How important is it? It's the first and greatest commandment, right? All right. So now... To confirm that, let's go to Deuteronomy. Six, Deuteronomy six, and then verses four through It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Um, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Repeat them. You know, do y'all remember like when Moses took the Israelites and, and he got them free from, or God freed them from, e- from Egypt? They saw some pretty big, amazing miracles right in front of their face, didn't they? And as soon as they got down the road, they forgot about them. God over and over again tells us to remember. Over and over again through his word, he says, remember, remember. Because he wants us to remember what he did for us. So we're supposed to repeat these commands over and over again to our children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you get up. You tie them around your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So how important was that? Like he was like, Don't forget them. Like, slap them on your forehead so that you walk around and you're like, oh, yes, (laughs) this is right here on my forehead. Like, he's pretty serious about it. He wants us to remember it. All right, now let's go to John 14. Y'all think Pastor Landon likes to have y'all flip through the Bible. (laughs) Every Sunday morning, I'm like, yes, let's do some more. Let's go, let's find some more scripture to go to. So John 14, verse 15. This one's one that really, like, when you read it, if it doesn't hurt your toes or it doesn't hurt your heart, I don't know, because every time I read this, I'm like, ouch, ouch. Because it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. How many commandments do we break, y'all? Like, 
I know, I know that Jesus forgave all of our sins and we have grace of God. But that right there says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Like, that hurts me. I don't know how it makes y'all feel, but it's like, oh, okay, Lord, okay, Lord. You're not finished with me yet, and he's not finished with you yet. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, but this is just a reminder that even though we say we love God, we still need to love him more, right? That's what, that's what I'm trying to get you to see, to see is we love God, but there's still more to love, okay? All right, now the next um, category is the word. I want you all to see what the Bible says about the word. God's word is strong and it's fascinating and it's powerful. Let's go to John 1, 1. Are y'all there? Okay, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, if y'all are wondering. Um, It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything it created, or everything that was created, And his life brought light to everyone. Do y'all know what the word is or who the word is? Do y'all know? Just call it out. Do you know who the word is? Okay. Let's go to Psalms. And if y'all want to like, don't know where to spend time, like when you're reading the Bible and you're like, I want to study or I want, I'm telling you, Psalms 119, it's a very long psalm, like over a hundred verses in it. And they're all so good. Oh my goodness. I kept going, oh, that's a good one. I want to add that one in there. And finally I was like, okay, Teresa, you've got like a whole bunch in here already. Okay, so Psalm 119 Verses 103 through 105. It says, How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. And that's where we all need to be, y'all. We need to, like, be able to see in the world Every false teaching, because we're spending so much time in the Word of God that we can see the false teaching, and we're like, oh, I know that's not the way the Lord would have me live. Okay, so 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now, let's go to um, Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 1. Verse 37, 
Luke 1, verse 37. It says, For the word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. Now jump over to Hebrews. I'm hoping that y'all will see more and more. Like, that's the reason why I'm doing all these scriptures. Um, I'm wanting them to build on each other. Hebrews 4, verse 12 through 16. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one whom we are accountable. So, the word of God, like when you're reading it, it reveals to you whether or not you're thinking correctly, whether or not, like, the person that you're mad at, whether, you know what I'm saying? Like, it reveals to you whether or not you're the one being selfish and not them. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's go to Revelation, last one in this section. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. And it says, he, but the he is Jesus. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. So who is the Word of God? Come on, y'all don't be shy. Who's the Word of God? Who's the Word of God? Jesus, right? Jesus. Jesus was with God in the beginning, and God sent forth his Word, the Word of God, and through him, everything was made. Jesus is the word of God. When Jesus was tempted, when Satan had carried him off in the desert, and Jesus was tempted, he battled Satan by saying, it is written. And I want y'all to see this. So this next session, I, a section I titled, It Is Written, um, Matthew 4.4. 4. It says, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, and in other translations it says, it is written. Um, it says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's where you find your true life. That's where your hunger and those missing parts in your heart where you're trying to fill those areas in your life with something else. It is, it is the word of God that is the, breath of, the bread of life that will... Um, fulfill those desires all right so the next section is show us 
and I put in here, show me, because this is what I say to the Lord when every day when I sit down to study his word, I, I pray before I start, and I kind of like what I did with y'all tonight, open my eyes, show me, show me what I don't know, teach me, teach me what I'm reading. So I want you to see this, Jeremiah um, Jeremiah 33.3 says, Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. And then in John 14, let's go back to John. John 14.26 Jesus was telling his disciples, um, it says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our teacher. So don't be afraid to ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand the word of God. That's what he's there for. He's there to teach us what God is trying to get us to see and understand. Does that make sense? All right. We're almost, we're getting to the end, y'all. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry, but. <laughs> All right. So the next section is transform us. Romans 12, 2. It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How good is that? Y'all, I want you to know that Jesus waits for us, and that's the next section. He waits. He waits for you. He's waiting for all of us right now. He's waiting. And, you know, we're like in the year two, 2019, right? And people were like, yeah, yeah, those Christians have been talking about Jesus is coming back for 2,000 years. They've been saying it, and he hasn't came back yet. But he waits for this reason, and I want you to see what he's waiting on. Second Peter 3, verses 3 through 10, says, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last day, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. Isn't that what's happening right now, y'all? Like they're mocking the word of God. They're making fun of it. And, and um, they said, um, it says, they will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? <clears throat> From before the times of our ancestor, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. 
They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heaven and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. As a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, so that's one day is like a thousand years to God. And a thousand years is like one day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is, patient. He is being patient for our sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as an unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So that's what he's waiting for, y'all. He's waiting for us to repent for those that we know that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He's waiting patiently for them to repent, to turn to him so that he can express his love to them and so that they can love him. That's what he's waiting on. That's why he hasn't came back. So I want to ask you, this is the next section. Do you know him? Do you know him? I'm going to read to you from John. John 10, verses 27 through 30. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Lord, the Father and I are one. And then I want to read to you from Matthew. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. No It says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, 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 will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. So do you know him? Do you know him? Or when, when that time comes, when the Lord returns, will, will you be standing before him and he'll say, depart from me? The last section I want to share with you is to be saved. <clears throat> 
I'm going to read to you from Romans 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how easy it is. It's that simple. So, when we study God's word, it's to learn more about him, learn more about his ways. But I want to give you an opportunity tonight, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Maybe God opened his word fresh to you tonight, and your eyes were open like mine were so many years ago when I was reading God's word and I knew that he died on the cross for me, for my sin, my ugly sin. Y'all, I was about your age when I started making really horrible choices. Or I was your age, not about your age. I was your age. There is nothing that the Lord will not forgive But you have to repent. You have to turn to him. You have to repent. And you have to ask him to forgive you. And you have to to give him your heart. Don't ask him into your heart. Give him your heart. Let him do what he wants to with your heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity tonight. Lord, I hope I didn't wear these girls out, but I hope that there's a fire that is being lit within them from your word, not because of anything I said, but from your word, Lord. Let there be an eagerness and a desire. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room that realized, oh my goodness, if I was standing before the Lord, would he say, depart from me? I never knew you. I don't want to hear those words. So, Father, I pray that they will believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that you, Jesus, are Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you. I love you. Teach me how to love you more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.